0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Five at the Back podcast. We've got a back four today with a very, very special guest. Alongside us in the studio is Dan Sanderson, all the way from New Brighton, come across the Mersey <laughs> today. <laughs> um, it's our pleasure to welcome him onto the show. He is the editor in chief of the best looking football magazine in the world, are you not?
1: Wow, you've been on the, on the Twitter. <laughs> <some> <laughs> <laughs> maybe just a little scroll. Dive X on the Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose I am. That's me.
0: Do you want to tell us a little bit, bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Um, I'm Dan. I'm the oldest person in this <laughs> room by some distance. Um, I'm a John Moore's alumni, back in the building. And for the, the past 10 years, I've been the editor of Monday magazine, one of the co- co-founders. Um, we started as a magazine. It was meant to be a one-off for the World Cup in Brazil. And then it became... Um, a decade-long project, <laughs> <laughs> essentially.
0: Brilliant. And um, with me in the studio today, we've got Tom. Hello. We've got Jordan. Hello, everyone. And we have got Ant, who's going to America tomorrow. And uh, is this is his final act in Liverpool for the next <laughs> 10 days. <laughs> for, <so laughs> for a little bit. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's um, a week. <laughs> sun, sunny, <laughs> sunny, sunny <laughs> Boston. Yeah, sunny mi- Boston. minus 20 degrees Celsius, yeah, Boston. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, well, we, if, we, if we get started, um, I just want to ask you... Uh, Basically, what what do you love most about your job as as Editor-in-Chief of, of the Mondial magazine?
1: Oh, um, Putting a magazine together is always the best bit. It's kind of a one part of what we do, but it's probably the most important part we do. We're back to doing four a year after a break for COVID, um, and it's the most collaborative thing we do. It, um, it brings the whole team together. We get to tell stories in long form, which is always nice in in an era of very short form. Twitter, Instagram, bite-sized stuff, you get to spend a little bit of time on a story. Um, And it's the thing that we get the best feedback for. We know we've got like a few thousand subscribers now who kind of get the mag four times a year and they'll send you photos of it arriving on their doormat. Mm. Mm. Um, We missed it a lot when it was away for about two years. So we've done, it's our third one back. And that's always that's always what we want to get back to. We've had to do a lot of different stuff over the years. We were a creative agency for a long time to kind of fund this side of the business, which is the mag. But it's probably the purest, um, most exciting part of the Monday brand. To to kind of get um, highfalutin about it. It's it's it shows people what we do best, which is tell football stories. That mm. Maybe you wouldn't find any. We'd like to think you wouldn't find anywhere else. Certainly not in the in the news cycle.
0: Yeah, well, we've like, um, we we've, we've all been we we've been really loving like these these new covers that have the, that have come mm. for the for the latest uh, latest edition, um, and I, I believe each each one sort of tells a story about a different player when they were young. Ex- exactly. Um, yeah. And what was sort of like the the creative process behind that, and how did that sort of come about? So, we've
1: done, we've had. a We've had a variety of different covers over the years. We do travel covers. We did Marseille, Casablanca, New York. Uh, we've done icons. We've done, we've had boots on the cover. But it, it it is kind of footballing icons that that always plays best for us. It's what our audience expect from us. But you run out, essentially, or if you or if you do, if you do a very broad story about R nine or Johan Cruyff or whatever, you, you can't really do it again. At least not not for a long time. So what we signed and do um, is dive into a, a, ve- a very small part but, but tell it in great detail mm. so this one the, the loose internal working title is the portrait of the artist as a young man and it's break, breakout seasons, so it's Maradona at Argentinos Juniors, Messi leaving La Le Messiah and kind of becoming a first team player um, Haaland at Dortmund we know we had two or three breakout seasons before that, but he was kind of when he announced himself to the world.
0: Um, on at Cruzeiro, when
1: he scored like a million goals. <laughs>
0: that picture that you put on Instagram, like the where he's got the, the, the three-star kit yeah. and, and like the baggie, so is good. Just, it's just unbelievable, so good. isn't it? Yeah, um, so, so it's kind of a period. We're very <coughs> lucky we've got
1: kind of great writers for this who have been on the ground in South America and gone and interviewed the people who'd seen both... Um, Maradona when he came through, we found a scouting report, and then the the Cruzeiro story. He still belongs to that team as far as as far as people in Belo Horizonte are concerned. Yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, we was to get back to your question. We we tried to do something specific with it, and we tried to dive into a period of time and what it meant to those fans. Each of those players individually, um, because we think that's more interesting than just a Wikipedia run through of goals, games, things like that, and. It also frees us up to hopefully revisit those players at a different stage in their career and to write different things or to create different podcasts about them later on without feeling like we've exhausted it. Yeah.
0: Mm. And, and in terms of, like, the... Because the, the covers themselves are so visually cool. Um, like, what's, what's sort of, like, the... If you could talk us through a little bit about the team behind Monday on mm-hmm. and um, sort of what goes... You know, obviously there's writing, but there's producing, there's editing yeah. itself. like
1: you know sure so we're still a very small team despite having been around for 10 years there's, there's there's four or five of us who work on a variety of things i'm the editor in chief but i also sort of double as a, a head of brand for for monday island and work on various projects like the merchandise we do and the collaborations um owen is our editorial director so he kind of sees oversees any content that goes out helps really shape the magazine he's got um a lot of experience in magazines over the years um James, who's our features editor, will commission out all those bits that you see and, and work with the writer to make sure that they fit the on tone of voice and all the other bits around it, kind of the front section, the fun bits, the, the longer-form articles that aren't the cover feature. He'll work on that. Um, Seb, who I believe you all met at the Walker Art Gallery events. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Yeovil's finest. Yeovil's,
1: <laughs> yeah, and if he's Yeovil's finest, imagine Yeovil's work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, Seb's kind of worked on video for a long time as a TV producer, and he's sort of a managing editor role, and he'll make sure we pull everything together and kind of shape that. And then he also, he's a bit of a non-league legend and a bit of a, a stato, so he'll write those kind of stories about stuff that's off the beaten track. And then Alex, our art director, long-suffering art director, is the only member of design staff we have, so we try oh, to wow. pull it all together into shape in time usually with stuff arriving past deadline and right them to the wire a lot of late nights a lot of early mornings um and he'll also inform the design language of everything you see on social everything you see that goes out yeah. under the monday albana including kits t-shirts alex does that so he's probably the busiest of us all um and you speak about the covers so we- they're by Osvaldo Casanova, who's an Italian artist. Who Great yeah. name. Yeah, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> what a <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, an incredibly Italian man with an incredibly <laughs> Italian name. <laughs> uh, we've been a fan of his for a long time. We've worked on a few bits and pieces with him. And not to kind of ruin the magic or, or, or lift the curtain or anything, essentially you can't really get photos that are good of... Maradona at Argentinos Juniors and ones of Ronaldo that are cover worthy at Grisero are quite difficult to come by as well so that made a decision for us early on that we were probably going to go down the illustrated route and then we just wanted to work with Osvaldo for such a long time that his style, where they all feel different, Mm. they all feel very different illustrations but there's a red thread that goes through them that ties them all together and they're distinctly Osvaldo Casanova and distinctly Mundial so that was kind of all Alex's process. He worked really closely with the with the illustrator and made sure that came together. Um, so that's the team, and then as part of like our bigger parent company, there's a there's a much bigger a bigger team, but we haven't really got time to go into that. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want me asking, um, what's what's your favourite of the new covers as well? Um, so probably Ronaldo, I, I think. think. So, yeah. I think he was, uh, we've, we've quite specifically divided them by age. They kind of cover four or five decades across all those players. Mm. Um, Messi is obviously, of, of, of this era. he's the kind of greatest, and that's sold really well. It helped that he won the World Cup during the,
2: during the sales cycle. <laughs> he did it just for Mondial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looked very unlikely. <laughs> Mbappe was in the running run <laughs> as well,
1: so it was a real stressful um, watch of the World Cup final. Mm. Um but Ronaldo's probably the player that falls most most neatly into my era. I, I kind of I was um I was ten in in ninety eight and I'd kind of seen him come through in ninety four through and he was on the bench and stuff, so it's um I think I think he's the best as well, but that's that's just opinion. Yeah. What
2: best is in he's the best,
1: he's the player best he's ever the best.
2: Mm. Best dribbler, I think. I've, I've seen. I, I don't know. Place, I'm I'm way
1: too, I'm way too young for Maradona. I know. Obviously, yeah, obviously, yeah. he's kind of well, what people say. So maybe if I'd seen Maradona with with my own eyes, as people say, I'd I'd think differently. But but um Arnau's the best player that I've ever seen. Yeah.
0: Do you remember like a, a a specific sort of like a first game or sort of first moment of being like conscious of of Ronaldo? I remember the boots. Yeah. More, oh. than, more, more
1: than the player. So I had a T-shirt. I went on holiday in like 97. And I had a T-shirt of him in the boots. And just knew he was amazing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um And, yeah. I, I don't know on on-pitch on moment, because there, there were so many, and you didn't really... There was no, like, clips of stuff back then. You mm. had to watch 90 minutes, which yeah. seems like an awful, <laughs> an awful long time. And there was bits and pieces of Italian football on TV and stuff. So he was kind of... Obscured, but maybe my first play, player of of that like was was probably Baggio four years earlier, and it was I'd seen glimpses of him on Channel Four and stuff. So, so it was Baggio and then Ronaldo, but I don't remember an, an on pitch moment as such. Um, but I I remember just being like, what are those boots? That's insane! I, rem- <laughs> I remember the like the Nike adverts in the airport and stuff like that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And there was just such a buzz around this this player, um, and he's not really like the the, the sort of player I. I, I I Grew into liking, like, I probably look back and be like, Why weren't you watching Zidane during that tournament? Mm, That's my mm. sort of footballer now. But but when you were a kid, I suppose you want goals, right? You want like, yeah, yeah, yeah. explosive <coughs> pace and goals and, and silver boots and what weird, was it? Weird haircut. Was it
0: 47 goals in that first season as well something with, with PSV or something something like. like It's, yeah. it's just yeah. unbelievable,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Um, though, so he was like the, the so, uh, yeah, he's my favorite cover because he's the kind of icon that, that represents me growing up watching football.
0: Um, and I, th- I think, like you, you mentioned about sort of first noticing something that wasn't on pitch as well, um, and that is a lot of what I, I remember you speaking at the exhibition mm. that we um, we met down at uh, Arco, the Walker yeah. Art <laughs> <laughs> Gallery a couple of course. weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, when they were doing the art of the terraces, they were collabing with the art of the terraces, and Mondial went and did a little little chat about casual culture and the big thing about Mondial is the idea of sort of it being everything, but. On the yeah. pitch, yeah, I, if that makes yeah, I think so. Sort it, of sense.
1: It does. It does. I think it's me personally, I and mean, we've got like a, just talked you through the team there, and everyone has their own relationship with football, and and, and works in different ways. And maybe James and all know a little bit more on pitch, focused and watch a lot of players and understand and like. But the cards on the table, I I, I don't know a great deal about passing and instruction and stuff like that. I don't really care that. I like mm. watching football. I like players, I like I like Magic Ma- I watched all of Wrexham last night and thought that was one of the best games of football I've seen in about ten years. Shout out Williams. Um it was amazing. Like it was it was incredible, but it, mm. but it's more like the narrative of it, right? And yeah, sure, uh, Paul Muller sure. sure. and the way he was working hard and stuff. So it, it is a lot of off pitch. It's yeah. it's the it's a football culture magazine first and foremost, and obviously those players on those covers and the the, the stories we tell in it, what they do on the pitch informs that informs mm. those stories. But yeah. it's not you know, goal scoring records are amazing, but it, it's how they did them and how, how Ronaldo went from um, Brazil to Eindhoven and was took taken under the wing of this player and work with Luke Nillis is more interesting to me than that kind of just straight to that stuff um, and always has been. Um, yeah, th- those are the things I remember about being a kid. I remember Baggio's ponytail rather than kind of what, what he was doing in Serie in, in A you know yeah, in, yeah, in, the, in the middle of the week and stuff so that's kind of where Mundial's come from and, and that's I have to be careful because I don't it's not to say that we don't love football and there's a load of uh, specifically in this issue in the past couple there's a lot of stories about games and impacts players have had and what Zidane did to Pep Guardiola and what Ronaldo did in a league where he you know he was he wasn't one of the big stars. So all of that's very important but I think the impact those goals, those moments have beyond the pitch is what interests us at Mundial.
2: And I, th- I think from like a, an audience point of view, is where the Mundial has become so successful is creating them stories. No one wants to, people read for fun, like, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, reading is for fun, reading is for enjoyment. It's that kind of child comic book kind of thing that we both, that we all had when we were kids. Mm -hmm. And kind of combining that with football that's all around us and consumes us, I think that's where Mundial, as as a brand and as a magazine, has really, as as from, like, a consumer point of view, has really, really taken off.
1: That's very kind. I I think (laughs) we... I think we'd be foolish to try and infiltrate a, a market that's already very saturated yeah, yeah. And, and like there's lots of brilliant football writing there's lots of there's lots of brilliant football podcasts that talk about what happens on the pitch there's lots of amazing television you know I for to much to the disappointment of my 12-year-old self, I like hearing Gary Neville talk about why a full-back should be cutting into... Like I love, yeah, I love yeah, all yeah, that, yeah. it's amazing, but it's not us. And, and for us to go toe-to-toe with Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher or Henry Winter or... And, and, and Guardian Football Weekly would, would be crazy because they're great and they cover mm. that market. Mm. What I think we do, hopefully, is we, we offer something different for people who enjoy different aspects of the game. And, and I think you can consume it alongside that. Like mm. uh, you know, People will read match reports forever but maybe they also want to know what the city was like and yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. you know and and who who made the kit and and why it's so interesting and why you should travel there and what boots the players are wearing and stuff i think it's all part of it and i think it's something that exists in different sports and different mediums it's always existed in music everyone always wanted to know what their favorite singer songwriter was wearing and where they went for their dinner and stuff like that um, and it exists in cycling as well, which is we've probably pinched from a little bit. Like Cycling was always about the adventure and, and, and the kit and where, where this cyclist's from and his hard luck story. Um, and you never really, I mean, could be wrong, but I never really got that in football. Um, growing up, it was like, "Here's this player; he scored." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so we've tried to
0: provide that, and hopefully, successfully, some. I think that is a really interesting point you make about stories. It's kind of like I, when you said earlier about the, you know, Ronaldo and what's cool about it is not just what he did on the pitch, mm-hmm. but coming through and how he got there it's like we see with like Moses, like Caicedo and people like that more recently. Like that is what football's about. At the end of the day, is like it's it's a great leveler because it can bring people from from all different situations mm-hmm. in life. Up to wherever they want to go, kind of thing, and like I think that's really cool that you. Like, those stories are always going to be there, Mm -hmm. and like there's always going to be, like that's I suppose what you've been there to fill is to, to be the 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 medium through which people for sure sort of find those stories.
1: I I think if you take it away from news, take away from news, you you allow yourself to be like celebratory, and you allow Mm -hmm. yourself to celebrate those stories so that Cancelo moving to Bayern Munich. find news it's done but, but, but like you know who is he and why buy if buying and what what's the story behind him as a kid and stuff that yeah those stories will always be there and if we if we try and pull ourselves back to at old times because it's very easy to be cynical with football because it's big business it's pretty grim sometimes etc etc but if you try and find the good stuff in there and be celebratory then you can find those stories yeah mm. for sure
0: 100%. Um, I'd like to move on to like another sort of uh, another side almost to, to to you but but to Mundial as well and coming through to a little bit like the art of the terraces and, and sort of the impression that made on us certainly as well is sort of the the, the collaboration between football and fashion mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's a, a big influence for you and a big interest of your sort of you know yeah. your side of things Um, what what sort of your experiences of football and fashion early on when you were sort of when you were growing up mm. and you know starting to be a, a football fan and then seeing fashion around football.
1: Sure, um, I think I said at the at the talk. I don't think, I think now it's 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 something that's marketable, and I think clubs know that, fans know that to a degree, players know that, and it, it it's it, it's a it's a headline in football times, football times fashion and probably partly responsible for that. So, um, <laughs> but I think. In this part of the world in particular, and not just Liverpool, not just the North West, but kind of everything around it and and London, London to what I'd say is a lesser degree, it it, it was kind of part of the previous generation's approach to football, it was kind of a lifestyle, and part of that was fashion, but another part of it was... Um, your hairstyle and another part of it was the music that you were into and how you carried yourself and and the company that you kept and what you did over a weekend. It was all kind of rolled into one and i think um it was niche it, there, there was there was only a, it was a subculture rather than mm. the culture so so that that by its definition is niche and fast forward forty years now it it though all those elements have been taken and marketed and and, and split off and then there 's like the streetwear element or the high fashion elements and Off White are making AC Milan's uh, mm-hmm. pre match jackets. And, and I think, to be honest, that the, the business side of that is neither here nor there, because that was always going to happen, you know, in the same way that like airlines have attached themselves to football clubs or Man United um, market like red wine. Like the, 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 that's, that's just a business thing, that's just a transaction. Off White need AC Milan's audience, AC Milan would quite like to seem cool. But there's still authentic stuff happening, and I think when you have something like football, that's that's so present in in particularly in British culture, you're always going to have jumping off points. The lights have gone off. <laughs> <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> it was very dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> <about> um, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm a little bit I'm a little bit jaded by it, and I'm a little mm. bit cynical of it all. But but I think what should be celebrated is what what's celebrated in that. In that exhibition, in that, in that, mm, 100%. people who went to watch football sort of created, created a movement just, just by trying to do something different and trying to wear something different. And I said it on the evening. That's still present. That one-upmanship and that like, that desire to dress and to represent yourself above what would be deemed your social class or what people would expect of you outside of the outside of that realm, wearing expensive things when when you're kind of struggling or or, or making sure you look good. Is is still present, and you you see it on pretty much every football terrace now. You see kind of yeah, your, yeah. you mm-hmm. see kind of young lads who who love football and love clothes, and it doesn't look the same. They're not wearing wearing Sergio Ticini and Feeling and stuff, but in Liverpool they might be wearing mountain equipment, Rab, whatever. Mm. Further afield, they might be wearing different stuff. You know, in London, bare being aquasuiting is still kind of a kind of a big thing with Chelsea and, and Fulham and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Although maybe 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 slightly slightly different down there. It's not as like closely tied to the city's culture because London is a fashion city but I think that red thread that runs from 1977, 78, whenever it was you, you can argue about when football fans started kind of expressing themselves for what they were to right, to right to present day of, of kids wearing things and, that they feel represents them is is something to be celebrated. I don't particularly care about streetwear collaborations and stuff. I think they're by the by. I think every now and again there'll be a good one. Mm. There'll be something that says something or there's something that's authentic. I certainly don't care about LeBron James doing a Liverpool <laughs> shirt. It's bad. But like I, I feel like that's all, that's all sort of you know an LFC air max, isn't it? But loads of kids on the clock wearing Modern Montaignes is it? It's yeah, the same thing, yeah. and, and you have to kind of sift through some of that nonsense to, to be able to pick out what what is still um, an expression of, of
0: culture and not a a marketable thing. Well, I think like the, the, a couple of weeks ago, the Versus um, fashion editor did like a really good piece on Don't give Morgan Allen credit. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say his name, but you've no, just said it on me. It for <laughs> me. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll see him on Wednesday. <laughs> But he did a really good piece on sort of like five football fashion collabs that would make sense as opposed to sort of your AC Milan and off-whites. Sure, exactly. And I think one of them was like Bologna and CP Company and like, which is one of the more obvious ones. Mm -hmm. But I think there was another one where it was like a Spanish, a Spanish brand that were like royally tied the royal family, the same as Real Madrid, yeah. And like, yeah, I think yeah. Things like that, yeah. where it's like, like, like the and Fred Perry. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, like, yeah they they I never thought I would associate Andalect and Fred Perry together, but like, yeah, they it made did. He had a Fred know. Perry
1: thing, and um, yeah, he was talking to me about that. I think, I think it's great, and I, I think those are interesting, and and if they came to fruition, they would be, they will be, they would be authentic, and and people would respect it a bit more. But it just depends who you're appealing to, like because at the end of the day, the people who want authentic fashion football clubs, it, it's a very small audience. Sure. But the people who want mad off white stuff, that's, that's gigantic and that's international. Mm. So you've got, got to take the rough with the smooth with it. And I think some good stuff has been coming out. And I, like I said the other week, I think um, that reappropriation thing's really interesting. So I quite, I, I loved Supreme Aqua Scootam. I thought that was great because the idea of skateboarders wearing aquascoop on south bank that's pretty cool that's yeah. funny that that's someone taking something really high end mm-hmm. and placing it into a different into a different world which is what kids were doing with f- buying a pair of um, Bjorn beyond borg dear daughters and wearing them to a football ground. that that's exactly the same sort of exchange yeah. so so i really like those i think collabs uh, we we've we've got plenty <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know whether we, whether we need any, but yeah, if there's a little bit of care and a bit of love gone into it and it and it links back to the to the club and to the fan base i'm I'm all for it they're not gonna go away
0: so and like like the way you're saying it there like you seem to sort of think that there's space for both like there is space for your know, Lebron James air max it's for yeah, the people yeah. that what I feel like that's sort of a much that's a product of kind of like the, the globalisation of football and wanting yeah. to bring that to America and wanting to bring that all over the world but like you say people in people on the COP who yeah who are from Liverpool don't really care about about that but there's space for both?
1: I think so. I don't think there's any point in getting cross about it. Yeah yeah to so be honest. Yeah. I think I think you I think there's a lot to be said and if you don't like something don't buy it. <laughs> like yeah. it's as simple as that. Like it'll go yeah. away. It, it, we're not going to be talking about the LeBron James Liverpool shirt for ten years
0: now. <laughs> people will forget about it. Move on. Yeah, it's true. Um, uh, uh, but I think also at the, at the same time, like it, there's something quite funny almost about like saying like like Drake wearing a Napoli track jacket or mm. like Kim Kardashian in like the PSG like yeah. that Like you sort of wonder how these things like how how have they. Snoop Dogg and well, Everton, isn't it? Every, yeah, he wore like every knotted. shirt. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Every, That's more respectable. <laughs> <in> both sides. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, I think it is funny. Yeah, we we posted we posted Kim in, in a Roma shirt on on our Instagram, and some of the like the vitriol is absolutely insane. It's like mm. it's just like at the end of the day, no, this is me, no. Built 10 years of my life but it's just a football shirt guys like, you know what I mean and it's, just a, it's just a garment at the end of the day a lot of people would disagree with that yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and I'm sure I'm sure they would but then like why are you losing like I'm sure there's lots of people who wear the same shoes like it's the, Stan Smith's a tennis shoes there's not tennis fans kicking off because, <laughs> because Pharrell, Pharrell, Pharrell's done them like it, it is what it is it's a, it's something that's, that's become popular culture yeah, it's fashionable, and maybe that's annoying to Roma fans or to PSG fans or, or whatever. That they're um, the cornerstone of their life is is being co-opted by someone in Hollywood. But like, I don't know, man. There's, 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 there's more upsetting things in the world than Kim Kardashian wearing a Roma shirt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what a quote, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just quickly on the on the kind of backlash that a lot of this because we, we are seeing a lot more, and I, I definitely I feel like our generation. Is kind of responsible for this it's now seen cool to kind of dress in these in these cultured clothes or something mm-hmm. like that um, and without again getting a little bit too political there's obviously an air of kind of this fetishization about kind of yeah. working-class cultures and, and kind of how they're presented to other people do you think any kind of backlash around that is justified or as it again is it the case of not taking everything too seriously
1: I think that's a great question. I think it's um it's it's one that needs to be treated sensitively. Mm, um, mm-hmm. I think we're we in the last two or three years it's got better. I think I think five years ago there was a lot of like high end stuff being sold in front of council council flats. Yeah, and, yeah. That, and that it's just murky and it's not mm. nice. And I think what you know you could go onto one of those shoots and you you wouldn't hear an accent and it wouldn't be their neighborhood and 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 it wouldn't be it would be co-opting kind of this gritty urban image for the sake of Mm -hmm. selling selling Mm -hmm. some thousand pound coats i thought i do think that was wrong and i I think we maybe tread the line on it a couple of times um and maybe you know did shoots that we we probably wouldn't do now for for, to co opt that aesthetic um but um it's getting better i think i think there was a kind of a, a hard stop and, and people within the industry some some friends of mine and 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 other kind of vocal voices and stuff were like this is this isn't cool um, so I I do, I do think it's I do think it's massively problematic actually because because these plans weren't giving anything back to those communities. Mm-hmm. I think every now and again Nike Adidas will do something that represents a community and gives back to it.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Liverpool, Liverpool FC did it around the kind of Nike launch and gave some money back from the kit launch that they shot in mm-hmm. Toxas to to the community. Um and Adidas Adidas do similar all across the country but um yeah, it's pretty grimy, right? It's not nice. I don't, I don't think um I don't think the, the people who were creating those shoots were doing it out of malice. No, 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 no no, um, no, no. And I don't think they were poking fun at a community. I think it was just something that became quite trendy um, to, to be like, yeah, look, yeah, here's yeah. this thing. And, and it, it got it got well out of hand. Um, and hopefully the balance has been redressed on that a little bit. I think with football shirts, I think it's slightly different because essentially they're, they're representations of gigantic billion dollar (laughs) companies now first and foremost yeah so you know as much as the next person i'm kind of getting annoyed when you see when you see people who don't have connections to your football club kind of using it as Mm -hmm. a as a a token working class accessory and i'm a big believer that certainly with with clubs in the northwest and and in the uk in general those clubs are cornerstone of cornerstones of community however far Mm -hmm. away they get from that so if the club's using that community to market it, the club needs to have a value exchange with with them. Yes. So if you're if you're mm-hmm. talking about Liverpool's amazing, um, amazing traveling support or the great songs or the great banners that are all done just by people because they love the club, mm-hmm. then you need to give a little bit back. If you're, you're selling yeah, tickets, yeah, yeah. off yeah, that yeah, you of of need to give a little bit back. But but like the, the, down to the to the actual piece of polyester, yeah. There's lots of there's lots of kind of. Tarquins who are, who were on Depop selling selling <laughs> football shirts but but like so what you know yeah. they are also selling Nike dunks and stuff it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. sports at the end of the day we can 't yeah. get too obsessed I, th- I think it's
2: such a fine line between kind of um, exploiting the the culture of this kind of togetherness because that 's what mm-hmm. football culture was at the end of the day. It was people coming together under one love of of, of football or, or to go out with their friends and mm-hmm. it was a that kind of movement i think it's a very very thin line of. Keeping that, them kind of values together and, and being it as inclusive as possible and then making sure it's not exploiting it and allowing basically anything in there without any kind of justification. Yeah, I think that's where, where the brands need to really kind of balance that.
1: Yeah, I think so, and I th- I, like as I said, I think I think they are getting better. But yeah. Nike working with Tottenham Textiles comes to mind, and you know, kind of giving back to communities um, that they're taking from. Let's be honest, they're taking the aesthetic and they're, and they're, they're selling millions and millions of mm-hmm. shirts off it. So there needs to be there needs to be some sort of exchange, and I think you know, post COVID, post sort of um, all of the social causes that we so we saw come up through that time, brands just have to now because. And this might be quite cynical on their part, but it's just not worth the risk to get cancelled. So, like, even if you know, maybe if maybe they don't mean it, maybe they don't do it out of the goodness of their heart, but they're doing it now because they have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I think, um, Arsenal have done a pretty good job with that. Obviously, Eddie Das is a well, they had a relationship before maybe in the yeah. 90s, but they've re established that. And yeah. You can really feel it as Arsenal really doing well as a club, you can feel it as the fans. The whole it's a whole community. And the fashion's amazing. I think you get a real
2: feel of the community there. I think that's a big issue with Liverpool. I've had a chat with with Ben about this before. It feels very Americanized. I Mm -hmm. feel like these kits are being designed in an office in Boston, being pitched over here. And then that's it. Okay. So like, I mean, what well, our wake kit this year it was supposed to be like a
1: reflection of music in Liverpool, but it's just so yeah. disattached. <laughs> dis- 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 <laughs> <laughs> when you look at these Arsenal kids, since Adidas have come back in, I do said, think Arsenal yeah. have
0: always been really impressive in terms of the, like how they revolve around their their community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think
1: the no, the no more red. Um, showed that the yeah, a great example very, yeah. like that. Yeah. Um I think it's the people involved. I, I, asked, I don't know whether it's down to design level, but I know Arsenal work with um an agency called Midnight Club who who, who mm. kinda of do all their creative and or Adidas do Arsenal Midnight Club kind yeah. of like a, a bit of a, a bit of a CEO who they've just they've just trusted trusted this these people who kind of get that community and you can do all the market research you want, and you can you can speak to as many fans as you want. But look at like Leeds redesigning their badge three mm. or four years ago. Yeah. Oh, I what saw that badge. again. The other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the anniversary. Anab- <laughs> yeah. It was the anniversary. It was the anniversary of it. It's a of years ago. And they were like, we spoke to a hundred thousand fans and blah blah. But yeah, but it's not. It's not It's you know, you can. It, you need someone close to the club, and I mm, think brands yeah. could do better to have that consultancy. I don't know. I don't know the guys from Midnight Club but they seem to get it and they seem to get hmm. Arsenal and that, and that really comes across yeah. um, and it probably helps that they will actually win some games. Yeah, yeah That is also very true. Sad- yeah. <laughs> very sadly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That Liverpool away kit might seem a lot closer to the city. Yeah. <laughs> 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 More a a of a yeah,
0: that's really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just to sort of uh, throw forward to the future a little bit, sure. um, I think football media is evolving mm-hmm. quite quickly yeah. and there's a lot of Sat like like you mentioned earlier, saturation and sort of things shooting off in every direction. Um, yeah. Where do you sort of see Mondial fitting in with? You know, I mentioned verses earlier yeah. and things like Copper ninety and mm-hmm. the sort of the movement of football media to purely online. You know, there's obviously still a space, a massive space, and we were saying earlier that we think it's really important mm. print and yeah. this longer form journalism. But where do you see it sort of moving alongside those things? I think I'm just gonna go
1: work in a shop. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, um, it'd be I'm, a good shop. I am. Um, diver- it's gonna be. It's gonna diversify. I yeah. think people are gonna find their niche. I think podcasts um, are, are a great example of that. Everyone's got like their niche podcast. Did you hear what you said? That? podcasts yeah. are a good example.
2: <laughs> well, they are <laughs> aren't they?
1: Because like, if you're into, <laughs> if you're into like. Stories about gardening in New York you can go and find your podcast there'll be one for you oh. and, if, and if if you're into like only New Balance trainers there's a store for you now and mm-hmm. now. I th- I think media will media will go that way as well you can kind of pick and choose I don't think I don't think the the glory days of, of picking up a magazine that services all your needs like mm. when it was loaded or gq or whatever where it's like well that's the watch i want and that's <laughs> the actor i like and that's the sports star I like i don't i don't think that's a thing mm. anymore i think people's um, interests are becoming more and more niche and pointing towards like exactly what they want and i think um i forgot the question <laughs> uh, now so digital like, we'll, we'll, we'll confront digital in a minute, but where's our space? Is it our space is exactly where it is and it's about mm-hmm. finding more people like us. Um we've only done it organically for ten years and now we need to kinda go up to America and find the people who are into vintage football shirts and tote bags and, and all the shit mm-hmm. that the shit that we put together. So there's there's more people and that market'll continue to grow as as Tark went on deep pop attests <laughs> heels. <laughs> Like would there'll be more people out there who want who want these things, so we we need to tap into that. We need to grow our niche, but I think we'll always remain niche because mm-hmm. um, that's the way things are divided up now. You you sort of curate your feed and you curate your podcasts and you curate it to to a very specific set of interests. Mm-hmm. On digital, we need to do more of that because yes, you three in this room might like print, but I'd, I'd expect you to. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you, kind of you you you've got ambitions to be in the industry and you probably want to consume as much as possible and you and you're into you into quality and you want to feel something not everyone's like that it's a very small proportion of the world population that's like that so we need to come up with a digital offering outside of the people who aren't like that there's people who can't afford it it's, it's $25 to get the mag- yeah. the magazine yeah. to Wisconsin. That's just It's just unattainable for some people. So mm. we're working on a solution for that. And you will lose a little bit of that tangible quality and you won't get the tweets about how nice the magazine smells. But we think the stories in there are good enough to hold up. So that's next, is to kind of bring down those price barriers, distance barriers, so that people further feel, can get a, get a feel of what we're about. Yeah.
0: I think that's really And especially as like, like, football is just a game that is <coughs> moving into well it has been for a while but it's moving into markets all over the place as well so like you say there will be like you know small sections of people in Wisconsin or Mm -hmm. in in where you know out in in Indonesia or places that will buy that will there will be demand for that and that will, i yeah. think that's really cool
1: yeah yeah on our, on, i've got the, sh- the our shops the, the shopify app on our phone and some of the orders that come in are incredible mm. and those people who are doing it now we're, we're going to sign remove the price barrier, and we're trying to get an american distributor etc etc but they don't the they are pay like 30 dollars so they must really want it you mm. know what i mean <laughs> like so 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 if if there's that one guy in new york he's got 10 friends who he plays football with every yeah, week so yeah 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 and it's less cynical, you know, but you've probably seen, <laughs> I mean, you've heard some of the stuff I've said today about being jaded and tired and football fans in the UK are like that because we're hit over the head with it every single day yes. and we've done it for a long time. But in America, it's new. It's, it's exciting. A new That's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. There's, there's no, there's nobody going, oh, don't do it like that, do it yeah, like this yeah, in yeah, New yeah, York. Yeah. Th- there's a real open, New York and LA are obviously the, the big ones, but there's, you know, Austin FC is exciting. There's, mm. there's things happening mm. in the South now which are exciting and there's less cynicism there's a much bigger uh, much bigger amount of people to 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 get behind mm-hmm. the sport mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and there's communities that are untapped that can start from scratch so it's very exciting to us and I think this the same can be said to australia the same can be said to southeast asia there's these untapped new
0: football communities sounds like there's
1: exciting
0: things coming one yeah. things yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is, it is. It's an exciting time. <laughs> um I'd quite like to just end with so we do a uh, a weekly game on on the okay. podcast called Who Am I? We basically just um, one of us will come up with, so there'll be three players, and we'll read from their Wikipedia page, yeah. little facts about their career. You do not know nothing about football, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll know that. I, ah. I think I, I think you'll know these players. Okay. Um, so we sort of tried to pick in the sort of the the mood of the mood of the podcast, mood of Mundial, mm-hmm. sort of. Fashion, fashion icons within <laughs> football. Yeah, yeah. Um, the so plush. the pleasures aren't. way it works is I'll just read out a series of facts one after the other. Yeah. You can buzz in and say the name. All right. But if you say the name wrong, you're out until okay. everyone's had a guess. Okay. Come back in. Uh, I um I
1: already know all the players because I've been briefed. because I was supposed to be here today. It is
2: like it's between And, and, and subs in. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. No pressure. No pressure.
0: Okay, so we're gonna begin. I was born on the 18th of February, 1967. Okay. I'm five foot nine two, And I've played for, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven clubs, all in the same country in my career. According to Wikipedia, which are not great goal stats, <laughs> I scored 220 goals in 490 career appearances. Yeah. And for my national team, who you might have guessed who that might be. Nah. No. <laughs> 27 goals in
2: 56 games. And that is for Italy. Good record. It? Oh, for Italy.
1: 67?
2: And you only played in one league, you say? Yeah. And seven teams. Because he's played It was in the Syria.
0: Is it Baggio? It is yeah. Baggio, yes. <laughs> there you go. And I had guessed that before you said that he was <laughs> one of your favourite, but I'd <laughs> <I>, <laughs> written that
2: before. Right. <laughs> okay, I, I, I didn't realize he
1: was that old. I didn't realize he That's, realise that's what I
2: thought. Yeah, yeah. surely not born didn't, didn't realize he played for seven mm-hmm. different clubs. Have
0: you got the before? seven clubs there. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Have you got them? The seven clubs were. Juve Fiorentina. Started at Vincenza, Fiorentina, Juventus, AC Milan, Bologna. Into, into Milan, and Brescia. Yeah, Brescia. I remember yeah, Brescia. Yeah. Yeah, the like V. I don't remember it. I've been stop about it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't remember it. Yeah. Don't. It's bleak. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: bleak. I remembered it. I was like in the pub when it was <laughs> 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 happening. That, you
0: were as well. <laughs> <was>. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom's keeping tabs on him. Yeah. <laughs> right. Next up. Cool. Um, I was born on the 25th of January, 1967. I scored 81 goals in 503 career appearances. So it was his birthday the other day. We, we shouldn't have. Yeah, oh, I we feel like I've posted a theme? about yeah. this yeah. somewhere. Yeah. somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Racking your brain back through the <laughs> season. <laughs> I do a lot of tweets. <laughs>
2: um,
0: I played for in two countries in my career, and that was in France and in England.
2: No, you played in Italy as well. No, no.
0: I started my career in 1985 at Toulon, before moving to Pari- RC Paris, Brest, and then Paris Saint-Germain. Bosh, is it David Ginola? It is David <laughs> <laughs> It was his birthday the other day. I did the tweets about it. <laughs> Happy birthday, David Ginola. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Legend of the game. <laughs> uh, final one, and this is my favorite. Um, and perhaps the most fashionable of all of these. Oh. Um, I was born in Arles, f- in France, in
1: 1981.
0: What's his birthday? 12th of August, if that uh. helps. Ah, uh, it well it's not who I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was a forward, I was six foot tall. Well still I'm six foot tall. I'm still alive. <laughs> you Shrunk, <you're> six. Six. <laughs> <laughs> I scored two hundred and five goals in four hundred and fifty two games. And I played in France. I played in England. I played in Greece. I played in Italy. I played in Russia. And
2: France. Yeah pretty much it. (laughs) Born in France. France. Greece. Yeah, the Greece one threw me off. I (laughs) scored...
0: I scored 47 goals in 61 games for Panathinaikos between
2: 2009 and 2011. Oh, that's quite a goal record. Is it? And he's French, you say? French.
0: Scored nine goals in 41 appearances for France. That's
2: not as good. I have won a Champions
0: League...
1: Everyone's in the Champions League. (laughs) Nah, I'm out, man. I'm crap at this.
2: What year was he born?
0: 81.
1: It's not not Giroud, is it? It's not. It's not
0: not Giroud. So, my career goes... (laughs) Auxerre... Okay. To Liverpool... To Marseille on loan... To Marseille... To Sunderland on loan... To Panathinaikos... To Lazio... To Queen's Park Rangers. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> to Al on loan. To Kuban Krasnodar. Oh,
1: Jibyl Cissé. It is oh, see see see. See. Uh. The man with the <laughs> hairstyles. <laughs> <laughs> he, nice. he wants
2: to come back and score like, what is it like, he's got four goals off a hundred goals yeah. in league or something. Is it? Yeah he said he'll come back and play for free (laughs) 47
0: goals in 61 appearances for Palatina in the Greek league in the the Greek (laughs) league in the Greek league then as well anyway um, thank you very much Dan for coming on the podcast it's been an absolute pleasure to have you Um, and yeah like we say sounds like there's good things happening at Mondial Um, and good things happening at the Five at the Back podcast as well Well, Uh, hopefully
1: before you go do you want to like give all the socials and stuff yeah, it's just at um, Mundial on everything or mundialmag.com. Um, yeah, subscribe to the magazine. It's where we keep all the good stuff. Yes, and if definitely. you can't do that, yeah, the newsletter's free.
0: And they just do smell really nice. Thank you very, very much Thank for you. listening, guys. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, well. you, you.
2: everybody. Cheers, guys. Cheers.